The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. The Jews murmured about Jesus because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Do we not know his father and mother? Then how can he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, Stop murmuring among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him, and I will raise him on the last day. It is written in the prophets, They shall all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to my Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the desert, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. When I was a little kid, most of you know a little bit about my story, but I was born in Brooklyn, New York, but when I was like four or five years old, we moved to New Jersey. And that was a short move in distance, but kind of a big move in actuality, because the house that we lived at had like over an acre of a, a backyard, you know, compared to living in Brooklyn with like no yard and a tiny little house. And so that was like a new reality for me, and you guys know that I sort of like adventurous things. and so. Maybe it was born at this time frame in my life. So I remember we had like a berm, like a hillside sort of, in the back of the house because there was a road behind our house and all these pine trees on top of the berm. And it kind of like tapered to a small spot and then it got bigger and steeper as it went along. And so for me, that was like my mountain range as a little kid, right? Like as little, little mini Father Peter was out there. And you know those, um, just kind of the cheap, horseshoe kits. They give you like a little red stake and you hammer it in the ground and you throw the horseshoes at it. Well, that little red stake, that was not a, a red stake. That was like my ice axe, right? And there I was traversing our berm like as if it was Mount Everest or something like that as a little kid, if you could imagine it in, in your mind. And the funny thing about that is that a friend of mine, uh, another priest, his name is Father Michael Rubling. He's a priest for Baltimore. We were in the seminary together. And he sent me a message just the other day, and he was reminding me, he was asking me for pictures, actually, because we climbed uh, Kilimanjaro together in Tanzania when we were in the seminary. And I could still remember, we were just there by, I think it was just happenstance, we were sitting together that day at lunch, and, um, and he was telling me, we were talking about what we were going to do for Christmas, or, or Christmas break, I should say. And so he had said, oh, I'm going to go back and see my family. And then I said, I think I'm going to go climb Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. And then he was like, what? He was like, you, you literally just said the only thing that would make me not go home for Christmas, because I've always wanted to climb Kilimanjaro. And so it was just, it, and something was born, an idea was born in that very moment. And I figured, you know, I was never going to live closer to Africa than living, living there in Rome. And so um, that's what we did. And there I was, you know, of course, 
uh, on the slopes of uh, Kilimanjaro at one point in my life. This is about 2017, I guess. And, um, and I thought back to that moment, me climbing the berm, you know, as if it was a mountain. And there's something really important in that whole idea because our faith, so many aspects of our faith, they always prefigure or point to something that's greater. And that's exactly what Jesus is trying to describe to the people that are following him. The greatness of something there compared to what they saw in the past. And all you need to do is kind of like look at the structure of our mass, the structure of our liturgy. So our mass is divided into two halves, the liturgy of the word and then the liturgy of the Eucharist. And during the liturgy of the word, what do we hear? We hear from the Old Testament. And then in the Old Testament, sometimes we just, we think about our Christian faith as being a little over 2,000 years. But our faith is like 4,000 years old. Because remember, we have to look at that continuation of the Israelite people about how God first revealed himself. That's why we have an Old Testament reading, to see what he revealed to humanity and how it unfolds in Jesus Christ. And so then next, we almost always have one of St. Paul's letters is our second reading. And then sandwiched in between there, right, are the Psalms of the Old Testament written by King David. And then finally, our gospel that gives us the realization of the thing that was prefigured. Remember, something, so keep that in your mind, like little Peter climbing on his berm with his little stake like that, as if it's a mountain, and then grown-up Peter on a big mountain, something realized in life. So one of the things, and I give this example often because it's such an important type. We call, them, we call this typology, where you look at the Old Testament and you see what it's actually trying to forecast in the future. And so you see that in the first reading with Elijah being ministered to by an angel and being fed, and that giving him the sustenance to actually go on and to persevere. And so one of the great examples that we're given of this is think of the Ark. You know, think of the Ark of the Covenant. So the Ark of the Covenant is a man-made thing. It's made of acacia wood. But even that's more than meets the eye. Acacia wood kind of translates as like an incorruptible wood. So it's a special wood. It's a wood that lasts a really long time. And then what do they use? They use the most precious substance, gold, and it's gilded in gold. And then what does it contain? Then the ark contains the tablets of the Ten Commandments, so the law, the staff of Aaron, symbolic of his priesthood, and then something called an ephah of manna. And I always say like an ephah of manna is like a Nalgene's bottle's worth of manna or like a hydro flask of manna. So that's about how much manna is inside of there. And so they carry these things around because they're important in their faith. They're reminders of who they are as people. But then what happens that's far, far greater than that? Our Blessed Mother Mary is a living, breathing ark. It's not just some man-made item anymore. And what this, what's contained within her? Our Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is the fulfillment of the law, the fulfillment of the high priesthood, and the bread of life no longer just sort of relics from the past, but living, breathing realities to feed us for our future. And of course, this is just one example of some of the prefigurements that we have there. Jesus even mentions, because he knows they know 
their own history. They know their own scripture. And so he's referencing about your ancestors ate manna in the desert, but they still got hungry. That is categorically different than what I am about to give you. It's a huge change and twist in everything in the whole entire world. And some of you may follow uh, Bishop Barron's Sunday sermons, and he kind of makes an allusion to this. Um, he talks about how he was talking about a, a bike ride that he did one time over, over the course of, I, I'm not sure how many days, but it was supposed to be from Paris to Rome. And for all of you athletes out there, you know that I give always athletic examples and stuff. If anybody's an endurance athlete, if you've heard of the term of hitting the wall or maybe bonking or something like that, that's like when you're going along, you're pedaling on your bike just fine, and then maybe you haven't been eating enough or eating properly or eating even on your bike, and then all of a sudden you just like absolutely run out of steam. Just like runners, they're running along just fine, and then all of a sudden they're like crawling, you know, just at a terrible, terrible pace. And so Bishop Barron was pointing out the importance of sustenance, needing to be fed so that we could actually move on, so that we could keep going. And then when he gave that illusion, I thought about another trip I took a long time ago in, um, in Switzerland to go climbing with a friend of mine. And we were sort of, we were with my friend who worked, him and his wife taught at an international boarding school in Switzerland. And while we were there, uh, we were like starving for like the whole two weeks we were there. There just wasn't, there wasn't that much food in steady supply for some reason. And I remember we climbed 14 out of 15 days and I lost like 10 pounds in that two week period. And there was this one time where we had some bread. We had like, you know, the, that great French bread, like a big loaf of it right there. And there was half of it on the table. So I walk up to it and I go to get some bread because I, I was truly really hungry. And I lift the bread up, and there's a picture of this. There's a picture of me looking at the bread, and then there's a next picture of me going like this with my hands up just like dumbfounded because my friend Ron didn't like the crust of the bread. So he had eaten the entire inside of the loaf of bread. So it was just this hollow crust of bread, and I was just like absolutely dashed in that moment as I started just gnawing on some crust, you know? But, but, but it makes you realize when you're hungry just how important that is for our human person. But remember, human beings, and in philosophy, I remember I had a teacher that told us this. He said, we are body and soul, but it's not like a recipe, like one half body, one half soul. He's like, I wish we had a better word for it, like body soul, body soul. We are integration of body and soul. It's called like, a, we're like a hylomorphic being, body and soul sort of intermeshed together. And so we constantly pay attention to our human need for nourishment, but sometimes we sort of overlook our need for spiritual nourishment. The food that Christ gives us in himself is truly nourishment for our soul. And so another thing that I mentioned is super important. Again, another kind of pointing ahead toward what's about to happen, which is the reality that we're living right now. So one thing that they used to say at the, um, the Jesuit University in Rome is called the Gregorian. And so since we always kind of like chat with each other as seminarians, sometimes there's professors that say things repetitively, and so we like talk about them and joke about them at time. And so one of the phrases that they say a lot at the Gregorian is in, in Italian is they say, in camino insieme. In camino insieme means 
on the journey together, essentially. And so like on this journey together that we're going. And so that kind of takes us to another important journey in the scripture. And so you remember, Jesus rises from the dead and he's appearing to different people. And then he's on a journey with two other disciples on the road to Emmaus. We, we all know that story pretty well. And they're walking on the road and it says their eyes are kept from recognizing who Jesus is. But then they also speak about there's like a burning within their hearts, like there's something different about this guy that they're with. And as they go, they have no recognition of him until this very moment, until the moment he says, he blesses the bread, breaks it, and then their eyes were open to them and they recognize him in the breaking of the bread. And then what happens next? It says, he disappears from their sight. That pivotal moment is the moment that we essentially celebrate here every Sunday, in fact, every day, is the breaking of the bread where what we still see looks like bread, looks like wine, but it's substantially, truly changed into the body and blood of Christ. But just as Christ disappears from their sight, that's the experience that we will have until he comes again. And that's the thing that we're waiting for. That's the age that we're in right now. The age that we're in is that we don't have the walking and talking Jesus like the disciples did in this experience that we hear in the gospel or the road to Emmaus. But it is a transitional point in our salvation history, in the history of Christ saving his people, that he's about to ascend to the Father, and he says, and he will come back again the same way he left. He ascends into the sky. And that's the same way he will come to us again someday. But until then, I leave you myself in a form that will actually nourish you. So he's not going to give something to us that we can't assimilate, that we can't take into ourselves. And so we want it to absolutely transform us. And once we're true believers in that, once we're being fed by the body and blood of Christ, um, you know, then we go out there on the journey. And what's one of the lessons that we get, again, in the scriptures? It's to go out there, but take very little with you so that you can rely on the Lord. But what's going to happen as soon as we come out of this church and you try to share Christ with other people? Is everybody going to meet that with, like, you know, ecstatic joy and be like, tell me more about the gospel. This sounds amazing. You know, no. Some people are going to reject that message and, and, and reject you as such. But, but what does the Lord remind us? He says, you go to a house and you offer peace to that house. And if a peaceful person lives there, literally the peace of Christ through you will reside there with them. But if they reject you, that peace will return to you. What it tells us is that the Holy Spirit is always given to us in full measure. It's never diminished. Even somebody persecuting you or rejecting you cannot diminish the share of the Holy Spirit that you receive from God. It, it will literally come back to you. And then what's the advice he gives us? A very practical. Then you shake the dust off of your feet and you move on. That's an important, important lesson in the Christian life is being able to move on and shake the dust off of our feet when things don't quite go our way. Um, we might find that we have to do it all of the time. 
you know, like when you look at a hollow piece of bread and you're like, okay, well, I guess we got to just keep going here. <laughs> you know, sometimes things are not exactly what we expect. But our faith is always pointing us towards something greater, a greater reality that happens in the future. And so, like, what does this look like? What's the thing that stands in our way? The thing that stands in our way is sin. Sin is the obstacle that stands in our way from assimilating God and being able to be transformed by him. So this is the advice we get from St. Paul today. This is an amazing brief letter to the Ephesians, but it's, but it's an unbelievable advice. Brothers and sisters, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you are sealed for the day of redemption. All bitterness, fury, anger, shouting, and reviling must be removed from you, along with all malice, and be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another as God has forgiven you in Christ. So be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and handed himself over for us as a sacrificial offering to God for a fragrant aroma. So be imitators of God. The best way that we can imitate our Lord Jesus Christ is by receiving him. But we have to receive him without obstacles in the way so we can receive him in full measure. Another thing that St. Paul also talks about is that if we receive the body and blood of the Lord in an unworthy state, then, you know, that's, that's a terrible sin. Remember, you can't receive something unworthily if it was only symbolic. Only if it was truly Christ's body and blood would somebody's unworthy reception of the Eucharist be a great and sinful act. So what we seek to do is, just like God says, we forgive others as he forgives us and bestows mercy on us when we go to him in confession. So we're given the confessional to be right with the Lord so that when we receive him, that we can literally be transformed from the inside out. And then what does that do? That orients us towards a greater reality, not just something that still tastes like bread and wine to nourish us, but the eventual reality of being face-to-face with God in heaven, actually having that face-to-face that -face personal relationship again with the Lord Jesus Christ. If we receive the Eucharist reverently and with a right, you know, like with, with right heart and without mortal sin in our life, that's the reality it orients us towards. Again, something greater. Remember, little Peter on a hill, big Peter on a huge mountain, you know, it's just like the Lord in bread and wine become his substantial body and blood, heaven with him fully, himself, realized, face to face. And sometimes that's a hard concept for us to truly understand, but just think about it like this. Think of one of the things that gives you great joy in this life, one of your favorite things that you like to do more than anything else in your life. Being in God's presence will make that seem like the smallest, most insignificant, not fun thing ever. That's the way, you know, because like, oh, being face-to-face -face with God, that sounds nice. You know, it's hard for us to really understand. But like I said, compare it to something that makes you happy in this life. And that thing is, is, is a speck of joy compared to the joy that you have 
with being in the presence of Christ. That's what we await in our life. We await something that supersedes every pleasure and good thing that we have ever known on this earth. That's what we're oriented for. But it all starts from the inside out with a reception of Christ in the Eucharist. God bless you all today.